Welcome to another episode of the Streaking the Lawn podcast. Uh, as it usually is, my name is Pierce, and as I usually do, I've got Caroline with me uh, this evening. Caroline, hello. How are you? Hi. I'm good. Hi. Nice little bye week. Recuperated. Yep. Rested. Yeah. Relaxed the the podcast recording muscles. And yeah. Except you've been on like eight other podcasts. So, That's true. So, <laughs> but I saved everything rest. for this one. I okay. saved everything. <laughs> That's good. And we've got Paul back to talk about the Who's. Paul, hello. How are you? Well, I'm a Braves fan and it's October, so not great, Bob. Yeah, that was brutal. Yep. Yeah. That's that's a bad yeah. beat. Atlanta sports, man. What are you going to yeah. do? Need like a sad soccer team. Or... Soccer team's real good down there in Atlanta. Right, and I I was talking to Will about this as as the he's the, the more fervent Atlanta sports fan mm-hmm. uh more more generally and uh we we are, we've come to the conclusion that Atlanta's soccer team has done so well because as a team not then not in existence at the time of the 96 Olympics, they couldn't have been <laughs> cursed by getting the 96 Olympics. Interesting. So Congrats to soccer. All right. Well, uh, at least you got that. Some cities don't got nothing. I saw a tweet that said that they had to lose, not this yesterday, but the day before when the, so that DeAndre Hunter could hold Zion Williamson to one for 17 from the floor. (laughs) Fair enough. I liked it. I took it. I thought it was was cute. I was like, I like that. That's good. DeAndre looks good. Um, And we'll get to some uh, basketball stuff soon for sure. But uh, we got to talk football. I mean, we're right in the thick of it. Uh, with a huge road game Friday night, uh, the Who's on the road and Coral Gables uh, playing the Hurricanes, who played last week one of the weirdest football games I've watched uh, ever. Uh, it was they, crazy. They blew it against the Hokies after uh, spotting the Hokies 28 points and then coming back and then it's, losing. Uh, the game was nuts. Oh, the just game terrible. was nuts. Uh, amusing to not you know really care who obviously I don't uh, usually root for Virginia Tech to win anything but Miami getting blown out by uh, underperforming Virginia Tech team is also still funny so I was just sort of enjoying it and then Tech blowing that lead very funny so I was enjoying that (laughs) the other Um, part of it was it was helpful regardless so Virginia fans would be happy if Tech lost just because we're petty and that's how it goes and then also like Miami losing another conference game is helpful especially in the coastal so like in the grand scheme of things that game was just like Miami and this is one of the things that I'm looking for this week but like they started the game interception 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 fumble Mm -hmm. like that's legitimately their first four possessions Mm -hmm. and Tech had the ball inside like the 30 every single time it was nuts and they only scored their first touchdown on a Hail Mary Miami (laughs) And then, like you said, Tech blew it in the second half. Miami had no business being back in that game. And then they had a chance to take the lead, and they doinked the point after. Yeah. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen until Pitt Duke that night. So, you know. Not an impressive performance from either of our uh, coastal rivals, for sure. But um, before we get into breaking down the Hurricanes, we do need to talk about the Notre Dame uh, loss for the Hoos, a game that, that certainly, I think, fits into the tale of two halves. Uh, although there were probably uh, things to like across both halves and, and, and issues uh, in both halves for, for the Hoos. But they were winning on the road uh, in South Bend at halftime. Uh, so clearly the first half was, was better than the uh, sack uh, debauchery we saw in the second half. 
I, you know, I, there's no need to spend too much time on, on moral victories or, or uh, generally playing pretty well on the national stage. Um, there's just, I think, uh, continued evidence from what we've said all along this season that there's been some issues with the game plan or the OL or some combination thereof or some combination of that and Bryce Perkins um, that is that is causing UVA biggest problem at least I don't know if it's a massive problem for us for the rest of the year uh, or just something that's going to come up against these really talented teams and obviously Notre Dame is that or maybe it's something not to worry about because every team has its faults I don't know where, where do you see it Paul as as this uh, being UVA's biggest red flag uh, going into the rest of the year I think it's something that that is a concern no question that uh, not being able to to run the ball against not necessarily Notre Dame, but other teams that have uh, been a bit more not being able to run the ball against ODU. That's that's really the the question because uh, the performance against Notre Dame you can shrug off as well. Yeah, that's what happens when four and five stars play low guys that were low three stars. That even if you coach up your talent to the best of its level, you're you're gonna have issues when defensive line high star ratings tend to pan out at a higher rate than other places on the field because if a guy is big and strong and fast when he's 18 he's going to be big and strong and fast when he's 22 um are you suggesting that there's not so much of the mental growth and and strategy for d linemen it's just because that's not a skill position offensive (laughs) line no i've heard now we get the years and years and years You know, the linemen are dumb and it's just, you know, hike and go. Well, that's interesting coming uh, from an offensive lineman as yourself. Uh, continue, though. That's why defensive linemen have to cheat by holding. So, um, <laughs> yeah, the OL's never getting away with no. holding. <laughs> nope, never, never, never. Uh, it's just intensity. Um, <laughs> so I think it is, it is definitely, with good reason, the biggest concern. Um, going going forward, um, I do wonder. I, it's part of why I'm uh, really keyed up for for the Miami game. Is I could see there being a a game plan for the first five games of the year. Of let's let's get, we have we have what we think is our our game plan for the year and our strategy for the year, and we're going to road test. We're going to test it against two ACC opponents, two kind of lesser opponents, and then the Notre Dame game. And then let's get to that bye week and let's, that's when we'll really try and make large scale adjustments yeah. as opposed to sort of week to week tweaks. Makes sense. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whether um, the, the offense that, that comes into the, onto the field for the Miami game looks significantly different than what we've seen so far. All right. Caroline, how are you uh, feeling? Um, I, li- I mean, obviously that first half team, was really impressive and they did a lot of stuff that was really, really, really good. And honestly, if this sounds like, especially two weeks later, sounds like a lot of sour grapes, but if the refs hadn't sucked so bad in the first couple of drives, it would have been potentially a different game too. just earlier, the scores wise or whatever, but there really wasn't to me a situation in which I thought the Notre Dame offense was significantly better than the Virginia defense. The clear off, clear issues came up where we already knew there were issues. And then I give Notre Dame a lot of credit. One, because that one defensive end was just a monster. And two, they switched up the defense to a zone, which made it harder for Bryce to get rid of the ball as quickly as he did in the first half, which clearly 
worked very well and I was impressed with the planning going in, but this time they got outmaneuvered. Um, I've given the coaching staff a lot of credit for adjustments over the season so far. I don't think that undoes anything because Notre Dame's an obviously good team. Um, it exposed, there are a few things. Obviously we talked a lot about the, the offensive line has been talked about extensively. Um, you have to give Bryce Perkins more than three seconds but also Bryce needs to be a little bit more cognizant, I think, of what he's doing with the ball in those three seconds. As in, I did wrong, incorrectly say that the last one was a blindside hit. It wasn't. He just wasn't looking that way, which I guess turns it into a blindside when you're not sure. looking in the direction the guy's coming and you've got a huge-ass helmet. I, Everything's the blindside if your eyes are closed. Exactly. Um, there, the second fumble, uh, I think that was actually in the first half, like, ended up I was yelling at the TV like step forward um like in through into the pocket like into their space mm -hmm. um so I would like to see a little bit more um of that situational awareness from Bryce um and then obviously like you said the run game I'm excited they've said that they're going to try and use Mike Collins more uh which makes me very excited and very happy because I think that's something that can only be good I'd like to see them run something that's just not up the middle mm -hmm. um but I think hopefully I mean it's been concerning watching other teams come off their bye week because Virginia Tech came off their bye week and got their asses handed to them by Duke at home and then Miami came off the bye week and they handed the ball to Virginia Tech four times in the first forward drive so uh, I do have a lot more faith in Virginia's coaching staff than I do either of those two coaching staffs at this exact moment mm -hmm. um, and it probably out of the last few seasons the bye week came at a good time for Virginia. I think the last couple seasons it stopped momentum. This season it came at more of a uh, recoup, regather, refix shit, <laughs> which is nice. So it's Miami looks extraordinarily beatable. So therefore, I fully expect them to look like a top ten team on Friday. But we'll talk about that. Yeah, I mean, let's get into it though with the, with Miami. Why is the spread? what it is i i can't figure out not that i think virginia's gonna blow them out not that i right. even would bet on virginia to win the game I, you no. know i get it it's a a conference road game against a team with some talent but i can't not a single thing that's thing. happened this season indicates that virginia that miami's the better team in my right. opinion right it, that's why it doesn't and especially yeah. like it, it makes no sense to me because I would have thought my initial guess, even the Miami fans, their initial guess was like 10 points. Well, that's what I mean. Like the public, the betting public, I, I would imagine would be putting money on the who's too. So I, I don't know, Paul. So it, that's the thing is that the public, the public is, but there's a difference between where the public money is going and where the public number of bets is going and where the total amount of money is going that about 70% of the tickets are going to bet on Virginia, but only about 65% of the money. So the big money bettors are betting on Miami, um, which is one of those indications that there is something in the modeling that Vegas and professional bettors use that is really tilting this thing in Miami's favor that normally you'd expect, uh, you know, the home field advantage is between two and a half to three points, depending on what system you're looking at. So Miami being as of tonight, as, as of Thursday night, a, about a two point favorite means that the, the systems are saying that on a neutral field, this would be an absolute coin toss, which just doesn't sound like, 
this is a four and one team against a two and three team. That doesn't make any sense. My and a theory, two and three team that's looked bad in the two. Right. My theory. My <laughs> or theory sorry, Bethune Cookman is fine. Fine. My theory about it is that at this point, most of the analytics systems are still factoring in preseason projections. Um, that you know, for instance, Bill Connolly's S and P or SP plus ratings now. Uh, he moves to ESPN and they make him take the ampersand out. Um, the but uh, at this point, it's it's has not completely filtered out uh, those preseason projections. I would imagine most other systems that are are built similarly on similar principles would be doing the same thing. And Miami is still, despite all of their crap, the second highest rated team in the ACC under SP plus it's, it's Clemson. And then just a, I think a 30 place 32 place gap down to Miami, but because of Miami's uh, recruiting success, um, because of some of how they looked last year and the number of returners and, and all those sorts of things, Miami was still thought of in the preseason as a top 10 or top 15 team. Um, and even though they haven't played like it up till now, the systems haven't entirely filtered that out. So as, as Vegas analytics, as, as Vegas has become more analytic and the lines are set and move more in line with what those sort of predictive number systems look like, I think that's part of why the, the, I think if this game was two weeks from now, and the teams we saw on the field continued, Virginia would probably be a five-point favorite. But because over that amount of time, the preseason would filter out more. But right now, because of where it is, I think it's those preseason projections that are still skewing things. Are they are, are they getting a lot of fav- like extra bump from – I know explosive plays is one that Virginia is not good in normally, especially when you look at SP+. What are the things – I don't – I just – I don't understand still like I understand like everything that you just said like but it just well, that was that's, so that's shocking the thing, is it is it the 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 play-by-play data the component the components of those analytics if you're if you if you are just looking at what's happened on the field this year it is very Virginia heavy and the one the one that jumps out the most is uh sack rate that Miami's offensive line and this is from this is from football outsiders is 127th out of 130 in terms of sack rate allowed and Virginia's defense is sixth (laughs) that's the cut that a team that can't block against a team that can't stop sacking is normally a recipe that helps the second team (laughs) as we saw against Notre Dame yeah that's no joke I don't get uh, yeah that's one of the big things that I'm gonna be looking at is that I mean, they just switched to Nikosi Perry um, as the starting quarterback, saying that Jaron Williams is still dealing with a shoulder injury. Um, I, Nikosi I don't know what that's last year against the Who's uh, completed three of six passes for twenty total yards, two picks, and a zero point zero QBR. <laughs> is that good? <laughs> <laughs> the zero is is the bottom of the scale of QBR. It's not like some. it's not golf it's not golf oriented Um, and that's what i just look at you know dj dallas is going to be tough he's a tough runner um you know what are they going to be able to do with him but again i look at the things that i just there are certain things that i think should really benefit virginia and the primary one is going to be the linebackers getting to the quarterback or the ends getting to the quarterback. I just don't understand. They're going to have to make him be accurate 
And then when he has to pass it, you're looking at, you know, having to throw to people that are going to be covered by Bryce Hall and Nick Grant, who have had an incredible, I think they're allowing four yards per reception. There's only been 14 completed passes to that duo all season for David Hale from ESPN. Like that's, it's just that to me stands out, but it's again, like I wouldn't be surprised. That's how the ACC is like, this still feels like such a crapshoot. You know, me saying all this stuff, like I can't believe we're not favored by more still doesn't mean like, I think that I'm extraordinarily confident in Virginia winning by 14. Yeah. I, you know, nothing would surprise me on Friday because that's just how this shit goes in the con- in the ACC all the time. But it's just so fascinating to look at this game and really feel comfortable. Then all of a sudden feel like you have no idea what's going to happen. Well, I, I think you're right. And in that Miami's going to have to run the ball effectively to win the game and to, uh, you know, can keep the ball out of Bryce Perkins hands and, and, I, you can't put it on Perry to win the game for him. There's no way that works, knock on wood. Uh, <laughs> but I, I don't even see Miami's running game, like focusing on the running game. Going, There's no way that can be that successful for them. They can't That's beat that one-sided against UVA's defense. So on the other hand, they're going to have to throw it and have to make plays through the air. So I think it is a tall task for the Hurricanes to – uh, keep up with Virginia, assuming Virginia is able to, you know, um, not throw four picks to start the game <laughs> or some sort of disaster. But like you said, it doesn't mean I think Virginia is going to win. I just right. don't know why other than uh, general uh, skepticism and, and not, not wanting to be hurt, you know. I would like the defense too for all the stuff that I think they've done fantastically. And I know there's a lot of this that falls under that luck category and there's a lot of discussion about turnovers and whether or not that's a thing that your defense can be good at or if it's really just taking advantage of opportunities and luck and chance um it it would be i would love for the to see some of their hard work pay off in some turnover type form like where they come up with some turnovers um because that's the one thing that if you look at statistically they're not they haven't been strong at but again that's not something that you can just automatically make people cough up a bunch of fumbles and get them back. So apparently Notre Dame had some cheat code on it in the second half. Well, yeah. If you can hit the quarterback real hard while he's not looking at you, that'll, that'll end up in some fumbles for sure. But I mean, the who's did force three interceptions um, last year against Miami and uh, Miami's defense did pretty well against Bryce last year. I mean, the, the UVA won 16 to 13 Bryce threw three interceptions uh, his quarterback rating was 12.5. Uh, so Still also dwarfs, not very good. <laughs> Better than zero, but but not strong. And uh, UVA relied on Bryce's feet as well as 86 yards from Jordan Ellis to, to win a close game uh, that mainly came down to field goals and who got, I guess, the most timely of, of interceptions there. So that's something that uh, Virginia's – probably going to have to repeat uh, in order to win on the road. Um, Paul, I'm curious, what have you seen anything from Miami's defense um, that, that might present concern for them or concern for the Hoos uh, against UVA's offense? Yeah, I would say, I mean, their run defense is, is one of the best in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for, for, you know, if, if Virginia is coming into this game thinking, all right, you know, we, we need to establish the run. Well, uh, yeah, it's one, that's a silly idea. Just anyways, if, if, it's dumb. Establishing the run is stupid. Throw <laughs> in the ball. general or for this Just team? in general, throw the ball. Um, Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you just talk about needing to have more running? 
No. Was Not that... for the sake of establishing the. There's a whole. Oh god. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. I just... Get into it. Establishing the run for the sake of establishing the run doesn't make any sense. Only run the ball if it's your best way of moving the ball. Mm-hmm. It's it. You know it. That's all. Um, okay. Even like play action passing works even if you can't even if you haven't tried a single rushing attempt because okay. def- defenders are trained to move their eyes. Anyways. If Virginia comes into this game thinking we need to establish the run for the sake of establishing our identity or, or our balance or anything like that, I think they're going to be in big, big trouble. Um, Miami's, Miami's defensive line is legit. Uh, as we've discussed, Virginia's offensive line has really struggled. Um, and they're going to be even more shorthanded as we learned that Tyler Fannin is going to be out for the year. Uh, and he hadn't really been in, you know, he, he had played um, some or, and had played well uh, for the, the time that he was in. Um, but uh, so I, I, I don't think, I hope that the plan will be to get the offense going with a short game that is something other than, as we've discussed, something other than just trying to run up the middle, um, getting getting some of that good speed uh, going either way and, and finding ways to, to take advantage of an overly aggressive defense. Makes sense. And, what have we seen uh, in terms of the success rate with UVA spreading it out, right? Like we, we talked about last episode, uh, if, if they're not running as many pro set uh, pro sets and, and not having as many people packed into, you know, the box, both on offense and then as a consequence defense, it seems like it's a, a better fit for Bryce. It's a better fit for Joe Reed. It's a better fit uh, for any offense that's trying to get the ball out quicker. I don't know why we continue to see things that don't go that way, but I do know one interesting difference so far this year has been vocal UVA alums (laughs) talking (laughs) about the same stuff, which I had never really noticed before other than like, um, obviously Chris Long has had a great Twitter present, but presence, but he, he doesn't really get into too much of the X's and O's with the who's. Um, but to see like Micah and Banker and, and other guys go, this is what I would do or why aren't they doing this? I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Um, I feel vindicated because I tend to agree with them, but more so it's interesting to see guys who actually played for these coaches and played on these teams, pick apart some X's and O's and go like, Hey, they should try this or they should do this more or things like that. Uh, social media sometimes it's not the worst I guess is my oh, I'm gonna be the, I don't know I think that to a certain extent yeah to some extent it looks kind of bad I think it, to lo- have, it looks bad like to have former players kind of like shitting on the play calling of the coaches like that's kind of a bad look in, in the sense of like the perception of the program and where we're at but I don't I that guys can say I think I, like I said I agree with the guys a lot of times um, but also I get a little concerned like that some recruits going to be like, oh, geez, that guy played for them and he thinks that their play calling is shit. Like, why would I go there? If Kurt, if Kurt Bankard was the starting quarterback yeah. for the Falcons and was like, it's, it's a couple of former players griping about it. It's not NFL. Like, it's not like Tiki Barber in his prime is tweeting that the play calling sucks. So I think it's, yeah, yeah. There, I think there would be some concern, but it's not, somebody that's super high profile that recruit to be like, Oh wow. If he thinks the offense sucks, then there's no yeah, reason. But I also, I don't think that either of the, either of those guys, maybe some, 
or, or anyone that I've seen who played for it, I don't think any of them are saying that language like, oh, this sucks. Uh, why aren't they doing this? Uh, these guys are idiots or whatever. It's, I, right, it's much right. more like no, technical stuff where they're like, hey, come on, do this. Spread it out, guys. Like, you know, as we do in rooting and as they do rooting for the team. Sure. I just think it, it seems like. Deming or, or, or vitriol or anything like that yeah. language. It's, I think so. I think a lot of it's frustration at seeing the same things now that frustrated them while they were playing, which is interesting. Right, which also then establishes a like pattern. Right, and well, but that I think is actually the most legitimate part. Not in this situation, I would have done that differently, but they're doing they're doing the same ineffective thing over and over and over again that there's a history of being ineffective with. You know, I have have we ever seen a true read option from this offense? We know we've never seen a halfback screen. Like there are just things <laughs> that it, it just doesn't make sense that, that you would build an offense to have a mobile quarterback and not put in actual reads that, that it really does look predetermined on so many of the, the sort of option, you know, plays that set up like option plays. Um, you know, we've maybe probably seen a little bit more read, but it, yeah, so so much of it is is then following guy into the same hole that you're not taking advantage. Oh my god, of, yes. <laughs> of, of you know making somebody on the edge make a read that then creates a, a big running lane. So, look, uh, I'm we'll, just going to tell one thing to the folks on Twitter: they're not going to fire a nine mid season when they're four and one. <laughs> no, of course. Like, so, just don't tweet that at us. <laughs> no, I mean it's you know, look. Even if the claims fire the coordinator, I'm, I'm sure there are. People. <laughs> There's Look, I'm I'm not saying not that the stuff isn't it. legit either. I'm not right, saying exactly. that like the complaints aren't like frustrated that stuff doesn't get frustrating or that whatever, but just know that if you're tweeting the account, like I understand your frustrations, but they're not going to fire anyone. No, if you're tweeting in the middle of the season. account with anything, it's not gonna impact anything. <laughs> like, yeah, also you can't also we cannot affect anything they're doing on the field. Yes. You <laughs> tweeting doesn't change anything. People tweet. We should charge we should doesn't. charge people a copay for the therapy <laughs> session of tweeting <laughs> right. that, that's all Twitter is. blog account trying <laughs> right. to change things. So no one's actually accomplishing anything, but <laughs> that doesn't mean that the, <laughs> the, the frustrations and like you said, they are valid. A lot of them are, are there valid. are a few that I will agree, yes, they're frustrations they're also i've made this very clear my opinion on there's a lot of complaining when things don't go right but there's very little like oh that was good play calling but i think that's the nature of being an off like a play caller that's how shit goes all the time it's the nature of being a kicker when things are going in you're like yeah that's what you're supposed to do when they don't go well you're like why can't you make a kick college kickers like that sort of thing like i get that but um it's not like he only calls the good play the bad plays and the good plays just kind of happen magically but this is my this is my hill to die on and it's the slightly lower hill than the Kihei Clark one last year so I think we're living in two worlds where you follow so many terrible people who say so many dumb things. I love all of the people I follow. Well, yeah, I'll say it. I I don't follow them for good reason, probably. I don't know. Like, I don't see too many unreasonable things. Um, in 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 the game uh timelines going on but but i only yeah, i'm in a much smaller bubble too so uh i i, I can't say that the, the, the 
I don't vent frustrations as well on Twitter. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, first, everyone does. Yeah, that's why we have a podcast. Right. Yeah, <laughs> this is our outlet. We just make everyone listen to it. <laughs> and, and it really is just like the the real crux of it is that it's been the same stuff, and it's been some stuff that, that again, bringing back to my point, it's nice to see guys who actually played the sport on this team point out like similar. Uh, frustrations because it's like okay I'm not crazy and, do you and- wonder since the um, issues the first couple seasons I don't, like I feel like it takes longer to develop the offense Paul correct me if I'm wrong when I look at things the offensive line seems to be the one just across the board that unless you're getting five-star guys that are ready to go it takes a little bit longer to develop I'm not like there's been injuries I'm not I saw someone like you know questioning coach 2j like I'm not remotely close to any of that but seeing as some of these issues have persisted um, in the same position, does that like I feel like we're seeing the same frustrations offensively because we've had the same weaknesses offensively that are I think getting bad like there's some issues this year with injuries and young guys starting, but I think I'm still not ready to just like you know light the whole thing on fire. But I feel like that's why we're seeing a lot of the same frustrations because we've had the same types of issues for two three years now. Yeah, I would have expected by this point to see more out of Ryan Nelson, to see more out of Chris Glazer, the guys that were um, pushed their early years, pushed into playing before they were probably ready. Yeah. But they're third-year guys now. Um, there is some of some of this is the inherent risk of of recruiting the six five two sixty two seven you know two seventy guys that are you're counting on them coming in and putting on good weight. Yeah. Um, if you ever get into a position where they've got to play ahead of time, you're you're playing from a, a strength disadvantage. Yeah. Um, I'm a little bit curious why a guy like Jaquay Hubbard hasn't gotten really any playing time yet. Um, that's certainly not size or strength being an issue with him uh six seven three fifty um that's big you know a guy like you know a guy like kareem al-sufi who's you know the the, one of the german players that's that has the size and the strength um but you're wondering you know how does how is the game speed for him uh in his first year i can understand but i i think there there has been an uptick in offensive line recruiting um, the other thing is that offensive line recruiting is one of the bigger crapshoots of, of yeah. any position groups because uh, you just don't know how a guy's, you know, a, it's a, a guy like Jaquay Hubbard who's that big playing in sort of mid-sized school football in, in rural Pennsylvania. Yeah, he's going to look like a monster on film because he's 100 pounds heavier than the guy, guys he's blocking. Um, so there, it can be tough, really, really tough to scout. But I, I think – it's a position group that needs to advance the most, but also has a fair amount of ceiling left for the guys who are already playing. Yeah. Uh, I I don't think, I don't think we're seeing guys playing near their ceiling, which, which can either be a compliment to the recruiting staff that they've recruited guys who have a high ceiling or an indictment of their, of the coaching staff because they haven't coached guys up to their ceiling yet after three years. Yeah. I think it's, it it does bring up a couple differences in in what we're talking about in that it's totally fair that this roster isn't where the coaching staff optimally would have it. Right. Like we're just a year out from only however shockingly few people actually are, are uh, last year, you know, competing the the challenges of the the strength staff uh, to be at quote ACC level. 
Um, and I think it's also fair that the O-line was probably the barest of the cupboards yes. outside of, um, you know, maybe you would say quarterback, but we had, you know, we had Ben Kurt and, and whatnot. So rebuilding that O-line at the college level, particularly when you can't just open the door and let four and five stars walk in on your name brand recognition or whatever, is one of the more difficult things because it's a unit. It needs depth. It can't be changed by one person like Bryce Perkins has done. Uh, I think the main criticisms, though, of, of this year of of the offense is less on the talent. Somewhat, I mean, we've seen issues with ability and talent and whatnot, and it's, you're just not matching up against Notre Dame as well as you would like to. Obviously, some talent is impacting there, but some of it is X's and O's stuff, and that's like easy to switch, right? Like the the guys are the same out there. Uh, blocking uh, no matter what kind of formation or what kind of plays we're doing. Maybe if you had the roster where you want it to be, it would make the stuff you're trying to do easier. Maybe it would make it more successful. Maybe that's an indication of something that we're seeing. Um, You know, I don't know. That's kind of how I look at it. Or that's my question is like how, and you know, in that sense, like someone has to make choices then and run plays or design plays that match the skill and the abilities you have right if you're not able to block to get a runner to the outside like then come up with something more creative than just up the middle like I get that <laughs> yeah and that's like, that's been my biggest disconnect right. is is yeah. that you're recruiting these slightly undersized but athletic and agile offensive linemen and then telling them just plant your feet in the dirt and stand in one place and try and prevent the, the, anybody from getting past you we, no get these get these guys out in space you know roll the pocket with with perkins um and and you know flow behind the, the, the flow laterally behind the defense get out into space so if we're throwing a wide receiver screen is not just being blocked by two wide receivers have two or three offensive linemen out in front of them and really get a convoy going and and get these guys out into space where they may be more effective than just trying to play in a phone booth against a four or five, you know, a four or five man pass rush. It is nice. I will say that at this point in the rebuild, that this is the type of discussion we can have as opposed to, you know, like I, this is, this team is going, they're four and one. Mm-hmm. They've won some important games. They're two and oh in the conference, the only undefeated team in the conference, like in the coastal division, one of three undefeated in the conference are ranked in the top 20. Like, that I like that we're able to have nuanced discussion about play calling as opposed to how are we just going to like stop anybody. So it's, yeah. I think this is, it's, it's interesting to, to get to this point. Cause I do think that this, I'm excited about this team. This team has high potential. It's just that one question for me still is, is what can we do with that offensive line? Yeah. And I don't think it, it like assuages any concern of, of the play calling and the technique, you know, what, what we've been talking about, but it is worth saying, uh, tying in it into it. This team would not be where it is with our expectations based on their performance, if not for Bryce Perkins. And I mean, the Correct. bringing Perkins in and what Perkins has done for this football team has immediately elevated the stature yeah. and, and the production of this part. And Bronco has been very open about that. They, you know, if you had your normal timeline for this rebuild, uh, what he would be expecting in terms of wins and, and performance against some of these better teams, it, we would not be there without this 
superhuman (laughs) (laughs) type type of quarterback production in some of these games. So, um, you know, other units are going to have to continue to catch up to this level of production. it just Shout out wide receivers real quick. By yeah, the way. And, that, and that that wasn't saying that they're no, not a, no. I'm just saying like I forgot to mention it in the Notre Dame stuff. Aziz Dubois and Joe Reed were fabulous. Oh, absolutely, absolutely they, fabulous. They were top notch. The lead, the yeah. well, throw and catch to take the lead at the half was one of the best I've seen. Yeah, yeah. Point blank. So that, that's where I, I, I don't made, even. I made many many noises. <laughs> oh yeah, the I, my the Bennett started barking. She she usually doesn't. She's usually really good. But when I was standing up yelling and clapping, then she was like, "What are we freaking out about?" Um, that's why I'm like, I still see the Bryce Perkins isn't a very good passer. And I don't, I don't think like, is he the long ball? Like have tons, he doesn't have tons of time. If he had tons of times in the pocket, I think he could pull off any pass he wanted, but I, I don't buy the, he's not a solid passer thing anymore. I just, we've seen the opposite of that. I think, sorry. Yeah. I, I think some of the INTs that we don't like, but yeah. I think when the, when people are talking about his like, uh, pro, um, capabilities, there's a little bit about, um, uh his arm strength you know compared to guys like ben kurt i think that's come up um but i certainly am no scout so (laughs) yeah reasons are out there um but yeah why don't we do some quick predictions before getting into a couple other sports and up so (laughs) we 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 gotta put you guys and me on the spot uh with what is going to happen uh friday night uh at miami who wants to go first I'll go. All right. uh, I picked this as a win preseason. I'm sticking with it. Um, and I'm going to say 31-21. All right. I think that they're going to take a lead, and it's going to be relatively comfortable. Miami will threaten in the second half, but um, Virginia will hold on, and it won't. it'll feel a little bit closer than it is, but – Four, three. Yeah, right. I'm just going to go that. Let's do it. Uh, Paul? So preseason, I said Virginia was going to lose one of Notre Dame and Miami. Uh, and I went, I said it was going to be the Miami game. Uh, so we would shock the world and, and beat Notre Dame. Uh, obviously that didn't happen, but the good news is that means Virginia got their loss in these two games out of the way already. Uh, so I'm going to go closer. Um, I think it comes down to some I think it comes down to a Miami mental mistake of some part being what gives Virginia a three or four point win. Something in the like 25, 21, mm, 28, 24, something like that. One right. thing I did forget, we didn't mention about Miami. Um, that is, I don't know, harder to clean up, easier to clean up. They're very bad at penalties, oh. as in they get a lot of them. They're one of the worst in the country. Um, in the high hundreds. How off um, brand. I know. <laughs> so if, well, according to some of their fans, it's because the refs just don't like them. Well, yeah. But um, that is something because I think. Because the refs are human. <laughs> something to keep an eye on, I think, as well as, uh, um, as right. you talked about that, Paul, I thought of that. Well, uh, I preseason uh, predicted a loss in uh, both these games. Um, because I'm a little more down to earth, you know, rational uh, than we need to know. Uh, hey, so, I am perfect in my pick so far. Yeah, I think absolutely. Um, I, I I think I've got to stick with the loss, and it, like we were saying at the beginning, it has nothing to do with Miami looking good in any way, shape, or form. I just just general 
you know, pessimism from for being jaded about sports. <laughs> Sometimes you lose games that you probably should win on the road in the rain when Vegas apparently knows something that I don't. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and continue uh, to p- predict a loss, and I think it's gonna be uh, a low scoring game uh, too. Uh, mainly because there's no excuse uh, for UVA's defense to let Miami score too many points. Is it supposed game. to rain? Well, it's like last I saw it was like 40%. I mean, it's South oh, it Florida. Like, yeah. It, yeah, it could be. Um, so I'll go something like, I don't know, 20 uh, to 17. Oh, God, that you know horrible. something low yeah some some stupid bullshit that's going to be annoying <laughs> so, <laughs> you know i'm already hopefully I'm wrong. Game that you and, predicted <laughs> yeah well, the good news carolyn is that i'm often wrong and so um, <laughs> we shall see but uh before we close up we we should note that the preseason uh basketball uh predictions for the conference are out uh virginia fourth right voted by the media yeah you're uh, never going to guess who they picked first <laughs> uh, it's perennial uh preseason champion duke blue devils right uh that's that's uh outstanding uh by by our dear media there but not surprising uh where was the the stat earlier i saw in the last oh what is this four they have been picked four straight in six of the last seven they have not won an outright in the or finished number one outright in the acc standing since 2006 they tied in 2002 (laughs) in the last last 10 years duke was picked seven times including as you said the last four and six of seven the only teams to have been picked to win it that's actually won the conference was unc who did it twice in those yeah. three years um, virginia never picked to win. <laughs> yeah. so, so we'll continue so, with that good luck hopefully the even crazier stat which our good friend david teal pointed out to me um virginia has only been picked to win the conference once and it was 82 83 with ralph sampson that is pretty crazy. That's um, crazy. I mean, I don't blame anyone for those. There were some know, dark times. There were some dark times, but I never had paid attention to the fact that in that stretch, um, Virginia has not been picked at all. Especially because uh, the conference was only eight teams for our, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know, right? Basically, they should. <laughs> um, and Virginia has finished fourth or better since 2011-2012. Uh, they have won four of six of uh, the last um, ACC regular season standings. And uh, I think the only other two they had, they finished second once and third once. Um, so you got you to say it's not too bad. Um, <laughs> I think it'll be interesting. Duke definitely, I almost actually put Duke first, I know. But the only thing that didn't, so that where I was like, you know what? I was like, no, I'm not going to do it because you never win it. So I'm not doing it until you <laughs> win one. Um, and I thought I ended up going with Louisville. Because, I, but Louisville and Duke have the two, in my opinion, weakest. And when, if we're talking about balance, unbalanced schedules, which everyone loves to bring up about Virginia, so I'll bring it up about everyone else. Um, Duke plays UNC twice. Louisville plays UVA twice. UNC and UVA have to also play each other twice. So they're those two schedules, UNC and UVA, I think, is why I had them third and fourth um, in my preseason polls. So I, you know, I think this Duke team will actually be better than last year because they'll gel better and fit better together and they actually return players which i think they didn't know you could do so (laughs) all right i I loved the freshman of the year voting uh that it was cole anthony from carolina (laughs) and then duke duke casey morsell duke duke yeah 
I was. I'm glad Casey got three votes. Uh, and we, uh, yeah. you know, say Mamadi Diakite was pre- named to the preseason All ACC team, uh, first team. Um, he was the only person that got votes. Um, not entirely surprising there. Uh, Jordan Nora was the uh, preseason Player of the Year favorite from Louisville. Excellent. Well, uh, you know that's going to be here very soon, y'all. <laughs> sooner than we think. Uh, less, less than a month. Than a month. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, Excellent November sixth at Syracuse. Um, you're going to figure out a lot about this team right out the gate. Um, and reminder to everybody: there are some rule changes this year. Uh, the three-point line is further back. <laughs> oh, so, so rule changes put in place to hurt UVA? Is that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so right after we lose three of the best three-point shooters that the school's had in a while, <laughs> throw on step that bad boy back. Um, but it's funny because the guys, so Braxton and Mamadi were very complimentary of the team's three-point shooting so far um, when Coach Bennett was told that the guys were very complimentary of the team's three-point shooting so far. Uh, <laughs> he laughed a little bit, <laughs> was like, oh, they said what? <laughs> um, it was great. It was adorable. Um, You're the record holder for shooting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to laugh at anyone. Who, <laughs> um, anyone I think else. they've gotten a lot of help from Kirk Penny um, or like having him around they've watched him shoot and so he's a really good shooter um and so uh having him on the staff now is big but i think it'll be you're gonna see braxton take a lot more uh they said anytime tomas gets his feet set um it goes in all right <laughs> which is okay. a nice thing here so we'll see like how it goes big shoes to fill there in the backcourt for sure um and then finally uh before we close up your, your uh football update uh, the women's soccer team is still undefeated and still the number one team in the country. They do have three ties, uh, yeah. including uh, a scoreless double OT. Well, they're, they're all going to be double OT. Uh, scoreless against Duke, who is a top 10 team, and a 1-1 tie recently against Wake. But in between those, they beat the Hokies 2-0, uh, which you just love to see. Uh, <laughs> Hokies, who, who for the, you know, to give them credit, were ranked um, or are our ranked team, so no slouch there. There. And uh, the men are also the number one team in the country. They are 10-0, and 0, uh, and they recently beat Louisville uh, in Charlottesville. Louisville was ranked, and the Hoos won 2-0. And a pretty impressive uh, performance from the yeah. Hoos. I would say they, they looked really good uh, all over the field <laughs> in that game, which is nice to see. And they uh, play Boston College as their next game uh, Friday as Friday. well. So while the football team is playing, the football team will be at BC, the men's team. Uh, and the women's ga- game, the next women's game, is the 13th against their nemesis, uh, number five, FSU. Yeah. So uh, that's a that huge one. Thing, interesting thing. That would be a big statement if the women could beat um, the Seminoles, uh, particularly on the road. So stay tuned to that. Stay tuned to the ACC network uh, so you can actually watch these games, yeah. uh, which is pretty awesome. Uh, but certainly to the blog for coverage about football and football and obviously some basketball stuff coming down the pipe. We've got that preview going on right now as we count down uh, to the season tip off so for everybody at the blog we'll see you after the big win hopefully uh, against miami um, i'm pierce and go hoops <laughs> <laughs>